Live from the Kima Podcast Studio in Pennsylvania, it's the Kima Podcast, the emergency management podcast for Kima members, by Kima members. I'm your host, Paul Falavolito. As always, joining me for today's episode, it's Amy Amir. Hey, Paul, what's going on? Happy Friday to you, and thank you for joining me this evening. I have been loving the temperature this past week in Pennsylvania. It's been awesome this week. It really has. What a what a welcome uh, difference a week makes from last week's uh, enormous heat that we had. And so it's truly felt uh, almost fall-like this week. Oh, well, I think that's a, just going a little too far there. So what's new with you? Anything good? I, I got a really cool email this week. Did you? Yeah. Um, we were invited to be on the EM Weekly Podcast with Todd DeVoe. Really? Yeah. How cool is that? That's that's crazy cool. So he emailed us and said, hey, or emailed you and said, I want you guys yeah. to be on my emergency management podcast. That's kind yeah. of ironic because I do subscribe to his podcast and I, I listen to it uh, a lot. So that's kind of that's kind of neat how it's all, you know, just uh, just intertwined uh, with yeah. that. So we're going to work out the scheduling and stuff. But then I guess, I mean, we can have him come be on ours. Sure. I mean, that's the way to do it in the podcast world. We be on his, he bees on, he, he, he bees, he bees on us, on ours. <laughs> you know what I mean? We be. Yeah. Yeah. But listen, I got to tell you, before we get to our special guest for today's episode, please continue to share the podcast on your social media. Give us a five-star rating so that we can climb uh, the podcasting charts and also be sure and check out our sponsor, Alerts USA. Uh, at alertusa.com. Use the special discount code EMS2019 for your special discount for their annual service. And I have on the line with us today, all the way from the city of Ottawa, Office of Emergency Management in Canada, she is the Emergency Management Coordinator and alternate CEMC, Melissa Lavery. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Paul, for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. You know, again, you're another one that I found on Twitter involved heavily with emergency management, and uh, I very much appreciate you taking the time to talk with us and all of our listeners today, and I do have a few questions for you. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious, so obviously you're in Canada. How did you get into emergency management? Yeah, no, it's a good question. Um, I graduated from the University of Ottawa uh, back in 2005. So uh, my original focus was in criminology and sociology. So I was lucky enough, my university was just a stone's throw away from uh, City Hall. So I worked uh, part-time with the City of Ottawa during my studies. I eventually took a job um, when I graduated as a security advisor with corporate security. And... um, that job was very interesting. I got to do internal investigations, physical security projects, such as access control, um, camera installations, alarm systems. Um, but my introduction into emergency operations uh, came out of uh, more a tragic event that happened in the city of Ottawa. 
Um, so back in October of 22nd, uh, October 22nd, 2014, um, the EOC and the city of Ottawa was mobilized. And that was in response to um, a shooting at our National War Memorial uh, where a gunman had uh, shot dead uh, Corporal Nathan Cirillo. So the EOC had mobilized in response to that. That gunman had made his way over to our seat of government, uh, so the Parliament building. And at that time, our opposition members of Parliament were in their weekly caucus meeting. Uh, there was an exchange between the um, gunmen and law enforcement, and uh, subsequently that gunman was shot dead. Uh, what happened in the city during this event, uh, the police had to deal with a multiple reports of different suspects and incidents across the city. So there was a perimeter that was set up in the downtown core, a safety perimeter. Uh, city Hall was put into protective measures, or also known as lockdown or secure facility. And that also impacted right across the city of Ottawa, different institutions, schools, businesses as well. So over the course of that day, uh, the police and law enforcement agencies were dealing with uh, investigating these other reports. And it wasn't until about 8.30 p.m. at night uh, the police could confirm that there was no longer a threat in the city of Ottawa uh, and uh, those protective measures could be lifted. So to be quite frank, it was my first time at EOC. I was not in an emergency management position. But I'll tell you one thing, Paul, is I was in awe with um, the mechanics. And to put it simply, and I've read um, uh, Kelly McKinley's book, Moments of Truth, and he speaks about this parallel universe that you're in. Time kind of stops. Things are happening. And uh, I was, this is with a big machine that was working there. And I was like, man, I got to be a part of this team. I like the pace. I like what they're doing. So that's frankly how I got into it is uh, fast forward a, wee, a year later from that event. And I landed a job uh, with uh, the Office of Emergency Management. Wow, that's that's a an amazing story and good for you for, you know, following up with it and, and getting that. And I, I know I had mentioned earlier uh, in your intro, you're the alternate CEMC. So I'm not sure that the United States uh, emergency management might be familiar with that acronym. Could you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, sure. Not a problem. So uh, in um, the province of Ontario, which is, um, which would be like a state for you guys, um, each municipality or jurisdiction has to have a designated position. Uh, so we fall under uh, legislation, provincial legislation, so that's the Emergency uh, Management and Protection Civil Act. And uh, what that really says is that act says that you must have uh, an official authority or des- a designated position um, for for your jurisdiction. So uh, we have a primary, which is my manager, and I'm the alternate. And really what that speaks to is I'm the link between, or my manager is the link between the province and the city. So during a major event, uh, disaster, emergency, they have that one link that uh, they communicate with and share information. And also that if there's any resource requests that you would require. Wow. So that pretty much sums it up. Very cool. So, I mean, how, how does emergency management work in Canada? Like, we have FEMA in the United States. Like, what's the Canadian equivalent to FEMA and, like, our NIMS? Do you guys have anything like that? Yeah, no, that's, 
a really good question, Paul. I mean, we're so close to our American neighbors. I'm like an hour away from Ogdensburg, New York. And, you know, we have the same challenges, but there are definitely some significant um, differences in regards to Canadian emergency management versus the U.S. Uh, So in regards to how you guys have FEMA, um, particularly for uh, like our jurisdiction, we report directly to the province of Ontario. So that would be through the act I had mentioned, the Emergency Management Civil Protection Act. And we report through to the Office of the Fire Marshal and Emergency Management. So that's at a provincial level. Um, the um, Really, in regards to the federal uh, government, for us, it's minimal uh, interaction. Um, so back in the day, there used to be historically um, a joint emergency preparedness program. There was a Canadian Emergency Management College close to Ottawa that offered invaluable classroom and field training. But some of those things, and as you guys probably have at it too, uh, there had been cutbacks. And right now, um, we, we report directly to the province, although we have a really good uh, relationship because we're in Canada's capital with our government, uh, federal government uh, officials. We have a government operations center right in Ottawa and who we do liaise with. But our main contact is through the province. Through that Emergency Protection Civil Protection Act, uh, we do have to do compliance. So from my, what I understand, Paul, maybe you can educate me a bit more. Through FEMA, a lot of jurisdictions have to do compliance in order to meet funding. Is that correct? That's correct, yes. Yep, yeah. Like, so, like, so like all of our elected officials and everyone would have to be what we call NIMS compliant in order to be eligible right. for a lot of the funding and stuff like that. Yeah, that's, so the difference for us, in a sense, is that uh, locally, our OEMs here across Canada, they are funded locally and not by the province. There might be incentives or grants that come, uh, but all of our positions are funded locally. We, um, we do have to have compliance, but that doesn't give us any extra funding. It's just that we have to do that each year to be compliant. And then our office is also, if you're familiar with the um, EMAP, the Emergency Management Accreditation Program, mm-hmm. um, we're the only Canadian jurisdiction that has been accredited. And uh, we just went through our uh, reaccreditation just this past March. So, uh, and that went quite well. We're just waiting for our final report back in December. Well, congratulations on that. And I have to tell you, I saw something that you tweeted or that you retweeted. And this this kind of blew me away, and I didn't know this. There were 6,742 frostbite advisories issued just in (laughs) Ottawa over your past winter. Over (laughs) 6,000. Yeah. So you're not coming up for our winter loot, are you, for a skate on the snow, Paul? I'm telling you, that's like like an insane number. Holy cow, yeah, 6,000, over 6,000. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I also saw a picture yeah. of the Ottawa Emergency Operations Center. It's just gorgeous. It really looks like a you know first-rate operation uh, that you guys have going up there. But I want to talk to you a little bit about community involvement because it looks like you have incredibly excellent community support because I saw another picture on your Twitter. And yes, I kind of stalked your Twitter to get ready for the interview. (laughs) 
um, from a recent flood where the city of Ottawa tweeted saying that the residents in West Carlton had hundreds of thousands of sandbags and debris around their home, and they were asking for volunteers to help remove them, and they did. That, yeah. that blows me away that you guys have that level of community support. Like, I, And, again, I know we do too in the United States because you always see, you know, guys with chainsaws after the hurricane and, and, and people help. But, I mean, this was a simple tweet by the city of Ottawa that just said, hey, we need volunteers who can help. And, like, then there's the flood of all the pictures of all the people actually answering the tweet and coming to do it. I just thought it's an incredible success story and a, and a real tribute to to what you guys have going on uh, up there. So, I mean, is the community pretty much, they're on board 100% with with uh, emergency management in Ottawa. Yeah, it's a, it's a good feeling to know we are a large city, but it is a small town feel in that community sense. Uh, and we it's, it's a good feeling and a good story to know uh, that when help is needed, uh, we do have amazing organizations and individuals that are willing to take time out of their own lives, you know, because often these emergencies happen in one part of town and uh, you could be another uh, high and dry location going about, going uh, on with your business and not even know. And people rally together. They find out, you know, do you need a ride down there? What's the transportation? And they make it a fun thing. You know, we had a lot of uh, organizations, schools that participated, um, sports groups and churches, all different kinds came out. And uh, as you know, in emergency management, we need all the help we can get. And I'm really proud that our community was able to help out our um, impacted residents. Wow. So I, I have one last closing question for you. And if you listen to our show you know, I always end with a closing mm-hmm. question for my co-host. So I'd like you to be the first guest that I leave with a closing question. Are you ready for this? All right. Shoot. <laughs> Who's your favorite hockey team? Uh, it's got to be my home team. I'm going to get in trouble, but it's the sun. I'd be uh, blasted on Twitter like crazy. <laughs> if an Ottawa girl didn't say that. <laughs> So you're but saying you're not going to say the Pittsburgh hockey? Penguins? No. <laughs> hey, I'm coming down to Pennsylvania soon on a family trip. So is that good enough? Yeah, that, that'll <laughs> but work. Hey, let's shout out to, that'll work. Yeah, that works. But let, a shout out to our Toronto Raptors as well, right? Right. Hey. You can't yeah. not say that. Yep, absolutely. So listen, I've never yeah. I've never been to Canada in my life. It is kind of like one of those bucket list things I need to do. So if I ever make it to Ottawa, will you show me around your EOC? A hundred percent. You're more than welcome. Make sure you bring Amy too. Yeah. I love to have you back. Yeah, I'm sure she would love that. <laughs> and uh, listen, uh, Melissa, I very much appreciate uh, you taking some time out of your day to talk to me. And uh, again, hats off to you and the rest of your emergency management colleagues at the City of Ottawa Office of Emergency Management. Thank you so much. Thank you, Paul. So pack your bags, Amy. We're going to Canada. Let's go, eh? <laughs> I'm ready. I am ready to go to Canada. I'm, but seriously. I'm really sorry that she didn't name the Penguins as her favorite team, though. Well, I get it. She's a, she's a, a you know, 
born and raised in Canada, they're they're not they're not straying. They're they're diehard uh, for their hockey up there. But uh, but what an interesting wait 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 wait. wait. I mean, I was born and bred on the eastern side of the state, and I'm a Pens fan. Okay, well, uh, what do you want me to say about that? Yay? A? No, I said yay. Oh. But what a a, a cool uh, chat with her and and learning a little bit about the differences between Canadian emergency management and what we do here in the U.S. I just, I thought it was very, uh, very interesting. But on to emergency management news, I do have some FEMA and Pima things to announce. So uh, coming up here on August 7th, FEMA, in coordination with the FCC, will conduct a nationwide test of their emergency alert system. Uh, It's set to be a radio and a television uh, alert at 2.20 p.m. again on August 7th, 29. Uh, It's being conducted through FEMA's uh, integrated public alert and warning system. That's IPAWS. And what I thought was neat was this year's test is going to evaluate the readiness of the national alerting capability in the absence of internet connectivity. It's going to be about a minute long. It will have limited impact on the public with only minor interruption of radio and television programs. And they will not be putting out this message uh, on cell phones via the wireless emergency alerts. So uh, everyone pay attention and get ready for that because that will be coming up here very soon. Also, Pima announces five individual assistance workshops. <clears throat> Excuse me. The two-day workshop explores a wide uh, range of FEMA's individual assistance programs, procedures, and responsibilities to help state and local emergency management professionals plan, prepare, and put into action uh, the disaster recovery best practices. Uh, and this is going to be put on by FEMA Region 3 recovery experts with topics that include such things as disaster recovery centers, um, temporary housing, disaster survival assistance team, the new DSAT concept and their deployment, um, individual assistance programs such as crisis counseling and other needs assistance and disaster case management. So uh, the dates are August 6th and 7th, 8.30 to 4 at Pima headquarters, August 27th from 8 to 4.30, um, Allegheny County EOC, that's August 27th and 28th, September 10th and 11th at Centronia Ambulance Corps, 8 to 4.30 there, October 22nd at the Elk County Emergency Management Headquarters, again, 8 to 4.30. And the last set of these individual assistance classes, October 29th and 30th, 8 to 4.30 at the Lackawanna County Emergency Management Agency. And I think I forgot to mention uh, I think I only said August 6th for the Pima one. That's actually August 6th and 7th from 8.30 to 4 at Pima headquarters. And if all that's not enough, Amy, FEMA has just released the latest national threat and hazard identification and risk assessment. That's the Thyra. When we had Gene Commander on a bunch of episodes ago talking about the Thyra. And that is available on their website for download. So what's so, new Paul, from we- the... We just created like a whole um, section on the website for links and information on the Kima website. Yeah. So we'll make sure this gets on there. Okay. Speaking of Kima, what's new from the Kima news desk? Are you sitting down? Yeah. <laughs> 93 days until the conference. 93 days. Great. 
So we opened up more rooms at the Holiday Inn this week. If you were unable to make reservations, it's because we had sold out of um, Sunday rooms. So we have um, we have more rooms available. If you've run into any problems, feel free to, to contact me and let me know. And the other thing I want to talk about, too, this isn't Kima news. This is just something for us to talk about. So I want to talk about our September 11th episode. I really think for some reason this year, I really feel like we need to to do something. Okay. I mean, I know it's like the first podcast or whatever, but like what, what could we do? So, I mean, we can easily put out a call to action. Anybody that was involved with not the 9-11 response, whether it was to New York, D.C. or Shanksville, we can certainly set up interviews and, and give people the platform to tell their story. I think that would be a, a worthy endeavor to undertake. What do you think of that? I think that's a good thing. Yeah. So everybody knows my email address conference at chemo-pa.org. So if you're interested in participating in our September 11th episode and we don't care what you want to do, we'll call you, um, you know, we'll interview you over the phone and let's put something together. Great. We're emergency management. Yeah, I mean, listen, and even if we get a bunch of people, we'll do an episode every day. I don't care if we put out a podcast every day to be able to give everyone the the opportunity to tell their story. That's it's you know, if you were a part of that, you deserve to uh, you know you deserve to have the platform to to make your story known. True. I think it's a good call True. to action, and I know you're Thanks. I know you're dying to jump into today's main discussion point. Um, yeah, I, I like talking about this stuff. This is like my, my lane. So continuing on with the EAS, the emergency alerting system, um, testing that's going to go on in, oh my gosh, like a couple of weeks here. So Paul, like as a local EMC, do you have a community alerting system? How do you notify your community if there's something going on? So we don't have one dedicated alert system. I know the police use Nixel. Um, and then obviously we we rely heavily on social media, but I can tell you our elected officials have been doing demos with several different vendors in an attempt to tie it all together. I think that's a great thing all the way around. So I just think it's important for communities to have a notification system for emergencies, whether it's because there's a water main break or there's a tornado or something coming through. You can have all of those notifications like weather and stuff come through with every app that you have, like all the news apps and everything like that. But the biggest thing that I think that communities need to focus on is not relying on social media to be the notification system. So one of the things as a master PIO student, I've been researching notification systems and, and things like that. So one thing that I noticed in my research, because I went back like 10, 15, 20 years of, of notifications, but when Hurricane Katrina occurred and Facebook was not public, the only way people got information was watching news reporters in waist-high water in the middle of New Orleans reporting on the weather. There was no quickness, quick response there. So... Mm. When we went to fast forward to Superstorm Sandy, and that was all social media, like everything was social media. I mean, what is that? What was that? Like five years difference between the two storms? I'm not sure. Years difference. Yeah, maybe. So 
we relied on the reporting of Superstorm Sandy, like through the social media sites. Did you know, like during that time, the biggest um, phrase on Facebook was "I'm okay, we're okay" during Superstorm Sandy. I didn't know. Yeah. Wow. And that's how people checked in. So if you were in, in Jersey and you're affected by the storm, people, your relatives in California, you could check in and be like, hey, we're okay. We survived the storm. So is that why Facebook then, came out with their, a couple years later, that new check-in during, a, you know, where you log on to Facebook and you can see, you know, John Doe marked himself safe in the flood of Tallahassee. Right. Yeah. yeah that and um, the tsunami. Right. That happened right after Superstorm Sandy. Not right after, but. Okay, so then, so now the social media advancement and the advancement of smartphones. I mean, think about your phone, your iPhone 10 right now versus your iPhone 4. Huge difference. Size, capabilities, everything like that. We all have smartphones. I mean, my mom has an iPhone. So I think that if we start, we as emergency management, start pushing out real-time notifications and be the official source. It will improve our community relations. It will improve our relations with the media. And you can't rely on your local what's happening now group in your community. I agree. Like they can't be the town criers. Yep. thousand percent. I'm on board with you. I think. So I just think as emergency management, we need to take, be forward thinking. And I think we've talked about this before in, my public information soapboxes. Yeah. But I think every community should have some sort of notification system. Going along with everything that you just said, I found a gem of an article online. And, you know, this is one probably that that people, maybe emergency management, isn't even thinking about yet. But there's a new bill that would require wireless companies to upgrade for disasters. And it's because of due to communication failures in recent recent events like the wildfires in California. Lawmakers are backing legislation to allow states to require the wireless companies to upgrade their systems for use during fires and other disasters. It's being headed by U.S. Representatives Jared Huffman and Mike Thompson, and they're among the 15 co-sponsors of the bill that would specifically empower the states to require the wireless companies to install equipment like fiber cables with fire-resistant coating that can withstand fire and other disasters. And this all comes to, to this bill because after a 2017 study in California after their wildfires, half of the alerts sent by emergency management weren't getting through due to down power lines and cell tower outages. They had to switch... Uh, to opt-in systems like Nixle or SoCal Alerts to warn the residents of the fast-moving fire. It's Bill H.R. 3836. It's known as the Wired Act, and it was just introduced to the House of Representatives last Thursday. Wow. Yeah. I think, I just think that every community should have some sort of notification system and it not be social media and... A thousand percent agree with you. The challenge, though, the challenge, though, when you said emergency management pushes that out is getting the buy-in from the rest of the public safety in the communities because the fire departments have their Facebook page and they push out weather alerts and stuff like that. The what's happening groups do it. 
next door does it. The police departments do it. EMS does it. Maybe even the borough, city, or township does it. So that's five or six I just rattled off sets of messages going out to the public. And here's the problem. They're not unified. But if you become the voice and you're the first place that people turn to, then you post a message, you, the OEM guy, you post a message, hey, Main Street's closed, blah, 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 blah. And then you send out a message to your what's happening group, your township, your fire department, and be like, hey, share my message. You know, you, you start to establish yourself as the, the voice here. And, but I don't want to rely on Facebook because if you're – or any social. Because like, if you lose power and you lose Wi-Fi, how's that message going to get to you, I, to the consumer? Listen, I, I agree with you a thousand percent, but, the, but I think the facts are – is that if, if we debuted a brand new alert system today, that means there's nobody on it, right? These What's right. Happening groups may have nine, th- nine to 10,000 people subscribe to them. There's going to be a massive, I'll, I'll give you a classic example. We have a What's Happening group here in White Oak, 10,000 people, right? Last October, right. we introduced our OEM Facebook page because we wanted to be the voice of, of these messages for our borough. So it's been nine months. We're 15 people shy of having only 1,000 people that follow us. Okay? So, again, I agree with you. I think there should be one system, but I, 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 it's, I think it's going to be a challenge to try to get the rest of the community on board and break them from their Facebook habit because people today like Facebook is their one-stop shop for gossip, family pictures, news, weather, sports, everything. I agree with you. I I want there to be one alert system and I want everyone to be on it. We just have a lot of work to do. Let's do it. (sighs) And the closing music has just begun (sighs) signifying the end of episode 20 in my closing question. So, Amy, you know a big storm is coming as an EM professional, and you're more than likely going to get activated. Do you get your household prepared before you activate? And how, do. how do you do it? What do you do? Um, so, I make sure my mom and I, um, my mom has an in-law suite off of the house here. So I make sure that she's good. And then I have the kid uh, make sure that he's going to be home to salt everything. And now I'm just talking winter weather. Make sure the kid's around that take care of things. That's, that's a so, wait, great emergency have, plan. Wait, so the kid, the one year we were going to, I was leaving for a snowstorm. So I say to the kid, do not let your grandmother shovel anything so every time that my mom went out towards the door he had snowballs prepared and he would follow her outside and throw snowballs at her until she would go back inside that's fantastic it's my kid <laughs> i mean are you prepared is your house yeah prepared? i mean it's as prepared as i think it, it can be i can tell you that you know i have the typical you know pennsylvania basement that gets water every time we get bad rain and uh, I have a little flood sensor installed on my floor, so as soon as it detects water, it'll send a notification to my phone. And every single one of these storms we've had this year, 
I'll be on scene doing the emergency management thing and I look down and there's the alert on my phone that I'm going to get to come home and walk into that. But I mean, you know, I'm, I'm out in the field. I'm not leaving to come home and deal with that until I'm done with my emergency management stuff. But I think I'm as ready as I can be. I mean, like if there was an emergency right now, I could, I could leave and be ready. I can't say that I'd be ready for like days. Like I'd have to come home and get clothes, but yeah. Okay. Well, listen, have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you. You too. This has been episode 20 of the Kima podcast. <laughs>